All right, so welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I'm pastor of the church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come hang out with us one Sunday. Be our guest. Service is at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a church, you can attend online. Uh, check us out. Calvary316.com uh, is our website. Calvary316.live is a quick link to our YouTube channel. Uh, and then we also stream our service, uh, facebook.com slash Calvary360. So a lot of different ways uh, you can find our stream. Again, services at 1030 uh, Sunday morning. Um, I'm joined, as always, by the man that needs no introduction. Uh, at this time of the year, I mean, he, he goes by many monikers, m- many names. Dick Dastardly. He goes by Pope Creighton. Uh, this time of the year, he's Scrooge McDuck, for sure. Hello. Christmas was invented by Hallmark to sell cards. That was Valentine's Day. You know what? It was more invented by Coca-Cola to sell I want to be very clear. I think that both of those holidays make a mockery of their namesake. Both St. Valentine's and Christmas and make a mockery of their namesakes. You know what? I hate Christmas. I can't wait till January and subsequently spring. Also joined in studio by uh, Spice Daddy. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing great. Christmas is coming up. Vinny's gumbo is coming up. Or not that's, JB's gumbo is coming that's up. That's right, I don't mean, I, JB's gumbo, uh, baby. Man, uh, th- this next week, I, I start watching Christmas movies tomorrow, every day until Christmas, uh, starting with Home Alone, ending with... Uh, uh, Home Alone. <laughs> no, not... Ending, ending with Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> and also in the middle as well. Yeah. <laughs> ending with Die Hard, because Die Hard is a that's Christmas That's true, no, all, all of them. Um, They're all Christmas yes. movies. You know what? Die Hard's a good movie. And... And, you know, this time of year is my favorite time of year. And there's a new Christmas book that's out. Um, yes, it's one of the greatest Christmas books I've ever read in my entire life. Um, it, it sets the tone perfectly. I've already read it. Um, uh, I did a great review on it on Amazon. Uh, you nice. can go on, on there, uh, Amazon Prime, and order it. It's an Amazon Christmas by one of the, probably the greatest authors I've ever read, too. Definitely yeah. one, best one is the last name, Adams. Yeah. <laughs> That's the truth. It's probably the, the greatest Adams book ever. Yes. An Amazon Christmas available on paperback, hardback, and Kindle on Amazon. Exclusively Amazon, so... Yeah. Also joined uh, first time. Uh, he's been a guest first time in the fourth chair. Uh, Isaac, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. And Creighton, don't worry. I will buy enough Hallmark cards uh, and I will send them to you. I want yes, to be very clear. Should... Do not send me Hallmark the, cards. The boycott, boycott, boycott Hallmark. 25 boycott Hallmark cards. Christmas, boycott Valentine's Day, anything that corporate those oh, corporate man. shills. Scrooge McDuck. I'm going uh, to get more and more hipster and more and more like anti-corporate as this a, season goes on. a Hallmark card for Christmas, uh, please email us your address at uh, pokecrate.gmail.com. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, you can send all with. Christmas cards to Calvary 316, attention, Crate and Vaughn, at our P.O., P.O. Box 89, Winder, Georgia, 30680. Do we have a P.O. Box? Yes, we have a P.O. box because all of our mail was getting stolen out of our industrial park mailbox. So we had to create a P.O. Uh, P.O. box 89, Winder, Georgia, 30680. Send all of your Christmas cards. Attention, Pope Creighton. Uh, uh, and Creighton, 
Creighton loves pumpkin spice lattes to get in the mood of the holiday season. Yes. Um, so anything scented with that gingerbread, pumpkin, pumpkin spice. Yes. Also untrue. Yes. Creighton drinks his coffee with cream and no sugar. Because you, he's you a just, man. You're now speaking in the third person. Uh, man you lost your mind. A man I like would drink his coffee straight black. I disagree. Straight yeah, I, black yeah. is just because you hate yourself. Yeah. So, uh, so Isaac, <laughs> have you ever watched the show Dexter? I have. Uh, so the, I had not watched like the 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 reboot where Dexter's an organ <clears throat> as a lumberjack. Yes, because why that. would they make that? Yeah. So I haven't watched that, but I have seen like the trailer for that. And you have a complete uh, Dexter Oregon lumberjack vibe going. I, well, I, I have, like that. I, thank you very much. I, I have heard that before. Uh, You've heard that before, actually. I have. I'm also from Oregon, so that that, so that fits. Sense. That works. Yeah. I'm always ready for a hike and also to chop wood. To so. chop wood. Very quickly, just because you're new to the show, uh, can you take a minute and just kind of explain just a little bit of who you are, your backstory? Um, how you kind of got connected with this Motley crew? Well, it's a long story. Uh, we don't have a long time. Well, this is this podcast is going long, so oh, <laughs> I'm no, no. Um, we uh, we move around a lot, and by happenstance, our uh, parents, my wife's parents, ended up in commerce, and they you're started, both military background, right? Yeah, yeah. We were both in the Navy. Uh, we moved to Oregon to go to college, and uh, about halfway through that, we, you know, we had COVID, and so they shut the schools down, and uh, everything was going online, and so because I didn't need to be in class, we thought of moving out of Oregon because things were getting crazy. They basically put uh, sand in the basketball courts. Um, they. Oregon's a weird place. It, yeah. It's a beautiful place, but it's a weird place. Yeah, so we left there. We moved to Virginia, spent a little a little bit of time there, and then we moved to North Carolina, spent a little time there. But you got to Georgia, and you found us. We did, yep. We came, and, you know, I I play the drums a little bit, so I uh, offered my services and um, really just fell in love with the church and the community. I've never had anything like this uh, since the military, actually. And so we just decided to move closer to the church down to uh, Bethlehem. That's true. Yep. yep. You're right down the street, about eight minutes away. Yep. Which is wonderful. Where, where did, um, like, give me a little bit of your background just in, in the sense of your relationship with the Lord, how you came to know the Lord. And, and uh, you know, I actually, I'm asking this, I, I don't know if I've, if I've even personally heard the story. So sure. um, maybe a little bit of your testimony, just how you, how you, your, your background, how you came to know the Lord and. Um, and, and maybe you're like, I'm still trying to figure out if I believe in Jesus or not. Um, you know, I'm kidding. Um, you're that's Dexter why, that's from actually, Oregon. That's actually why I came here. Cause I have a lot of questions. I need, I need you to answer before I can decide. Now before you can decide. <laughs> right. But, um, yes, I was raised in the church kind of, um, my dad used to drive the van to church. So I was a part of that. Uh, I was a passenger in the van. So were you, were you Mormon? <laughs> No, but by the there were twenty of, <laughs> of us by the number of kids that he had. Yeah, you'd think that we were Mormon, um, but I was baptized at thirteen, and as soon as I graduated high school, you know, I, I'd pretty much been a straight edge kid, and uh, my life actually devolved pretty quickly after I graduated high school. Um, started using some drugs and things of that nature, and hmm. kind of. 
went down that path for a couple of years and fortunately, I mean, I was blessed to not have any lasting side effects or impacts legally. Um, <laughs> That's one way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely made my fair share of mistakes and, uh, you know, the Lord kept me alive and, and then I joined the Navy and spent five years there. That's where I met Alexis and we had both of our kids there in Jacksonville. And, um, you know, we didn't really, I didn't have a close relationship with the Lord actually throughout that entire period, pretty much. You know, I played the drums when I was younger in church and I was part of the worship team and I went to church religiously. I was there all the time. But, uh, you know, it wasn't until actually just coming here that I really rekindled my relationship with God. And, hmm. and you know, that, that was a huge part. Between moving closer to the church, uh, we also had the option of moving to Tennessee. And we made a list, a uh, pros and cons list. And uh, they were literally both the same, the, the same in number of points. And we like pulled it all out. I mean, it was like that meme with the math lady. There was like numbers everywhere. Yeah. So but you had like a beautiful mind. You had like ribbons and yarn yes. stretched across. You took the whole garage. Exactly. Played it out. Yeah. yeah. So we uh, obviously decided to stay here just because, you know, our relationship with God and with the people in the church is really important to us. And, you know, Farragut's not going anywhere, so we just wanted to be here. But, you know, obviously right on. I have a, lot, a long ways to go, and I'm really just thankful for the opportunity that the Lord's presented me with to be here. So I think what, what makes, you know, you kind of adding you into the mix here is that you are very inquisitive. You do have a lot of questions. You know, one of the things about the Outlaw Radio Show that, that kind of makes it tick you know, there's been a couple different variations of the Outlaw Radio Show over the years, mm -hmm. um, but but this particular iteration of it is really driven on questions. And you know, the way that the show's structured is that typically Creighton comes in, <clears throat> brings up a topic, a question, something, um, and then it's my job to turn that into a Bible study to try to expound upon that. And uh, and I think you're going to bring a great addition to just kind of what we're doing. And just at any point, man, jump in, ask a question. Uh, feel free uh, to uh, to interject, no doubt. Uh, you. Creighton, you want to add anything else just to kind of intro to the show before we, 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 we pivot here? Absolutely. Just how the show works, how you can interact. Uh, the way that interaction works is you can put comments on either YouTube or Facebook, and I am monitoring those on my computer, and I will see them. For instance, I got what might be the sweetest comment we've ever had. Oh, man. And this is from Mama Holcomb, Justin's oh. mom. And she said, Creighton, you were invited to our house for Christmas morning breakfast. Christmas with the Holcombs is an experience that will make Christmas your favorite holiday. So, that is so sweet. So what are you going to do? Oh, my goodness. So what are you going to do? I don't know. I have to figure out. I generally spend Christmas with my buddy Kyle and his family. But then um, do Christmas so breakfast. I don't know. I, well, I don't you know just what might have to go and do Christmas. I might you, just you, have to go and do Christmas with the Holcombs. You have. I think it's a great idea. Look, look, you do Christmas breakfast with us, and then you can go over to Kyle's house. Yeah, and do whatever it is I that you're going to do. You know what? You know what? I, I can't say for certain, but I'm in. I'm in. I can't <laughs> say <laughs> for certain, <laughs> but I'm in. in. Tentative in. I gotta, make, I gotta make here, sure my plans are okay. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. No, I take that back. I'm going to Florida for Christmas. I'm going to see my parents for Christmas. Are you really? I totally forgot about that. Yes, I am. You totally forgot about yes, that. Yes, I'm not great at planning. Hi, Mom. Uh, yeah, I'll be in Florida for Christmas. Oh, so you I, just broke I know, Miss Holcomb's I heart. I forgot about it. I'm sorry, Mama Holcomb. 
next year. Made her really excited and then also <laughs> brought her real real far down. Yeah, yeah, you just ruined Christmas for another person. <laughs> Way to go. I'm so sorry. Way to go. Mm-hmm. So so you can interact um, on the, the threads. on. That was uh, a very nice offer, though. Thank you. Yes. Our YouTube channel is, is outlawradio.live. Um, and then uh, you can also watch the live stream, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. I, I mentioned that because what we're doing here is we're live streaming the recording of a podcast. And the podcast gets released on all platforms on Thursdays. Um, and so instead of just doing this and then releasing audio, we thought, well, let's live stream the recording of a podcast and kind of do two things. So we have a live stream and then we have the podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast, check out the live stream. If you are watching, check out the podcast. And again, uh, kind of on all platforms. So <clears throat> any topics, questions, anything that that might. And again, if you listen to this, not in real time. So you're like, I can't leave a thought on the thread because I'm not there in, in the moment. <clears throat> PopeCrayton at gmail.com is our official email address. And you can always uh, drop us a note there. Again, PopeCrayton at gmail.com. Also, it, um, yes. We are trying to grow the channel, so like and subscribe if you're watching and haven't. Um, also, if you want to drop me a link to timestamps that you think would make good shorts, you're welcome to do that as well. Definitely yes. the part where you uh, lied to Justin. <laughs> yes, would make a great short. Very self-deprecating. Justin's coming, though, just so you know, Justin's mom. <laughs> so I'm kind of interested to know if, like, Jessica and myself and our three kids... Because, I mean, what you just described is is Christmas with the Holcomb sounds like it should be a Hallmark movie. 100%. It really does. Like a Hallmark movie. They have enough people for a Hallmark movie. They do. I I am the first of nine kids, okay? Obviously the best one. Um, (laughs) Obviously. But. Obvious. And the most humble. Yes. (laughs) And at my size, my mom had to have a. She's a good 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 cook. cook. Good cook. And, And so. Never trust a skinny cook. Yes, mm. and, or or children of that cook. So <laughs> right, uh, and all I can say is it will be one of the best, better than any Waffle House breakfast you will ever get. No, well, now you got to be careful there. You got to be careful there. Don't don't tread on Waffle House. As someone born and raised in in Georgia. Better than any would, Waffle Would house. you say, though, that it's better than a McRib, perhaps? Oh, 100, 100, <laughs> no, there is. There is. I see what happened there. Oh I see what happened. So in case you, you might not know, I am a huge uh, proponent, fan, connoisseur, really, of the McRib. We all think it's gross. Don't. It yes. Yeah, they all think it's gross. They've never had it. I, I have had it. And it's good. It, it's okay. It's good. Don't it's, lie. It's okay. It's good. It, it's it's not bad, but it's not it's, it's not good. something I I it's go. Good. Oh, it's McRib season. I'm gonna go get it. No, I'm not gonna. I do literally that. text my wife Saturday from McDonald's and said I'm getting a McRib, and she diverted from the Christmas party she was taking the other child to to a McDonald's just to get the McRib. If somebody tells me, it's "Hey, here's important. a McRib. Mm-hmm. I will eat it." And, but I will and not enjoy go it. seek it out. Yeah, I uh, will no, enjoy it, but I will not out. go seek it out. No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine I going to McDonald's. I can't imagine going McRib. to McDonald's and getting a McRib as opposed to a double quarter cheese. Oh no, no, you That's get a McRib. Crazy to me. No, you get a McRib. Never. He, You've never say, done it. Would I take a McRib over like a Big Mac? Hundred percent. Boom. My point. Right but there. But over a chicken sandwich? No. I, I, oh, you don't do a chicken sandwich from McDonald's? What kind I of know, person are you? That's what I'm saying. That's You're a crazy person. Mm. 
Dexter, what do you got to add? All I'm saying is <laughs> I do remember you committing to a McRib uh, potluck. I really, I really, I really am, am going to start contemplating this. Like, yeah. I'll personally finance uh, you know what? a McRib potluck Vin- at church. Vinny, if you're listening to me, I have faith in you that you can create a McRib <laughs> that's way better than anything. Listen, exactly I don't better. doubt Vinny. Dear Daddy, yeah, Vinny, dear daddy. I, yeah. I don't doubt his culinary skills. Uh, I've appreciated them. He will fail at that endeavor. Mm. The McRib, there, you, you can't replicate it. He can't even get his hands on the varieties of meat it doesn't necessary. You know why, to right? You, you the say that like it makes the McRib sound better. Oh, it is. If Vinny can't get delicious, the meat, you shouldn't eat the meat. Delicious. I, I have, I have full so confidence in Vinny's skills to where not only could he create, recreate the McRib, but he could do it better than they could have ever. Done. You know, it's Thanksgiving. And what we should be thankful for <laughs> is the McRib. So I'm just going to start this off. It is the special Thanksgiving edition. You know what? I have a turkey brining right now that I'm going to put in the oven later on. I'm tempted to just go to McDonald's and buy 15 McRibs for Thanksgiving. And That's show insane. up show up at my parents' house and be like, I, Mom, I bailed on the turkey. But here's a glorious bag of McRibs that we can partake. That'll do it. I think now's a good time to uh, thank our sponsor, McDonald's. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's doesn't want anything to do with this show. Serious question. Can you buy McRibs frozen? No. Okay. No, you can't freeze that meat. No, I was just wondering because you said you might be taking some McRib meat. No, because to... they've been thawed from 30 years ago. I was just wondering because you said you might be taking some McRib meat to your parents' house for Thanksgiving. And so that means you need some frozen ones for no, the No, no, I just pick right? it up on the way. That's what's you're not getting the joke that I'm making that's what's great and you're about ruining the McRib. this for me. Oh, my god. That's goodness. what's great that's about the McRib. The, the McRib is not a joke for him, okay? It's I know, I know. Matter. Thank I'm you. Making, I'm making Oregon a really Dexter, funny joke. I appreciate that. I just I'm want you to know that. Yes, appreciate that. You just that. stepped on a really funny joke, and I'll explain it to you later. Well, okay. <laughs> great. Mm, you know, you mm, never switched mm. the camera off of me at any point during that. I did a couple of times. You got you got very animated there. I'm always animated. You got very animated. That's true. So uh, it is Thanksgiving. <laughs> it is Thanksgiving, and um, and I wanted to kind of start out by just um, talking a little bit about what I'm thankful for, and then I want to pass it to you guys just a little bit about what you're thankful for. Um, I'm thankful, man. I got a lot of things to be thankful for, and you know, and, and I will say this: I said this on Sunday. <clears throat> you know, one of the big, the big things that I I pulled out of a very difficult situation that I went through last year. Because there was times in recovery where my arms don't work and, I, and I'd get filled with a bit of depression and self-pity and self-loathing that, you know, the Lord just continued to come back to me like, Zach, um, you have a lot to be thankful for because there's always someone that has it worse. And, uh, and I had to remind myself that there were times where, like, again, I'm going through incredible amounts of therapy to regain the functionality of my arms and my hands and to walk and, and all these things. And, and it's like, man, I felt down, but there were moments where it was like, you know, I, I am going to regain mobility. Like I'm not, this is not permanent. And like, there are so many people that, that end up going through things like I went through and have long-term disabilities as a result of it. And, and man, you know, you, you always start to think about like the people that have it a little worse than you. And, and that gives you, even in the midst of your misery, um, you still have things to be thankful for because, again, if nothing else, it could be worse. And Creighton, we were listening 
<clears throat> you uh, came over. You were hanging out in the office yesterday uh, doing some work. <clears throat> Listen to a great Bible study by John Corson. He's talking about white Christmas. This is a Christmas message. And, um, you know, and he says, you know, so often he's talking about how, like, the, the year previous, um, they were, uh, it was projected, the forecast had snow on Christmas Eve. And so they had organized their entire Christmas Eve service to be outside. They had this amphitheater. They were going to have fire pits. And John just thought, hey, it's going to be snowing and we'll be outside and we'll do this Christmas service. Just, it'll be beautiful. He doesn't live in Georgia, does he? No, it's Oregon. Oh, okay. Um, and then, and then what ended up happening, it re- just rained, just rained a lot. That sounds about right. Like the white Christmas, just, it rained. It just didn't get cold enough to snow. And so they had to move everything inside. And so he kind of like uses this as a lead and he ends up teaching about Joseph. Uh, but he talks about how like so often what are we, we dream of a white Christmas and we end up with rain, you know, like our dreams, you know, end up being dashed and we sometimes are like, Lord, why? Lord, what what are you what are you doing? Like I like, my heart was pure in this. I thought this is what, and, and I just got rain. And the big application of of the Bible study is is like, well, there's there's really two kinds of rain. There's there's rain, but sometimes your white Christmas turns to rain, the raining of God, like this sovereignty, His plan. That His plan is different than yours, but it's perfect. It is good. It's it's not what you might have been dreaming. But it's what he wants. And he goes through Joseph's story, like every twist and turn you get, like, so that it might be fulfilled. (laughs) You get the prophetic utterance, like, yeah, it rained on his dream, but it was God's rain. And, um, and, you know, just within that context of Thanksgiving, um, you know, no matter how rough things might be right now for you. And there's a lot of people going through a lot of different things, man. The economy's not great, you know. Man, there's so many marriages that have that have been suffering coming out of COVID. I mean, the divorce rates are huge right now. Uh, alcohol, depression, the, the amount of people that are on antidepressants. I mean, like we live in a real, like people are down. Like it is not a joyous season. Um, you know, we're not in the roaring twenties. Like this is this is a depressive time. Um, and yet, as believers, like we always have, like we should have joy. Not just in the blessings that God has given, but like it could always be worse. And like there's a blessing in that. And, um, you know, I'm so thankful for um, my church. You know, you, you never really appreciate your church until you go through a crisis. I think, I think going through a crisis is, is one of those real illuminating type things in regards to the importance of a church family. Because you go through a cry, everybody goes through through crises, uh, crises. <clears throat> I can't imagine going through what we went through without our church family. Um, I'm so thankful for Calvary 316 and the love and the support and the tenderness and the faithfulness. Um, you know, I took five and a half months off and they still paid me. You know, like like just the goodness of God and just that they were here for Jessica and they were here for my family and, and, and so many, so many people, you know, deal daddy, who's one of the, the, the guests on our show took my son to his basketball team party, you know, because they, they wanted to make sure that the kids didn't miss anything. You know, dad's in the hospital and mom's visit, you know, being at the hospital a bunch. And they just, so many people rally. I'm so thankful for that. Like so thankful. I, I'll never be able to fully verbalize 
that or express just the depth of gratitude. Like I'm so thankful for my church family. And, and then the obvious one for me is, is my wife. I'm so thankful for her and just, um, you know, a lesser woman would have bailed, you know, and, and we've had that conversation. She's like, I that, that wasn't an option. Like I, I couldn't do that. Like that, that wasn't, that wasn't even a thought that crossed my mind because I made a vow to you in sickness and in health. And I was here. Like, like you make a vow for a reason in good times and in bad times. Like when I made a vow, I meant it. And you know, I, like I, I just, you know, looking at so many people, um, yeah, I do so many weddings and, and go through the same vows that Jessica and I made and, uh, people don't take their vows seriously. And I think that's a shame. Um, that's such a bummer and such a hurtful thing to make a vow to somebody and then renege on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're making that vow independent of what they do. Like it's before God as for, as God is my witness, you know? Um, and I'm just so thankful for my wife and, and her love and support. And, um, you know, Creighton, what are you, uh, just here, just taking a minute to just express a bit of Thanksgiving. And, and I'll say, as we're doing this, if you're watching, um, maybe drop something on the thread, uh, expressing what you might be thankful for. Uh, we'd like to include that on the show. So Creighton, if anything drops, please share that. We actually already have one. We already have one. That's great. And then, and then please share yours. So our comment is from Tom. And he says, uh, this Thanksgiving is very special to us. We are so thankful for being accepted and loved by our new church family at Calvary 316. God bless you all, Tom and Penny. And then he said, in all caps, I love the McRib. Yes! <laughs> yes! Tom, I knew I knew you were a brother. I knew that there was something special. If you'd like to be an elder of the church, uh, let us know. And uh, there, you're, you're climbing the ranks very quickly. You've demonstrated a trustworthiness, a, a depth of character, honestly. Yeah, well, I was going to say God bless you too, but... Wow. Uh, Oregon Dexter throwing shade over there. Um, so, no, and, and you know what, Tom? Tom, uh, I, I won't get into too much, but he's going through a storm. So I guess somebody that jumped on the thread, and he's going through a storm on his a health storm. And, um, you know, he's going through all he's, he's going through, and he's starting a Bible study in his apartment complex. That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's getting done with with you know, cancer treatments, and he's and he's starting a Bible study. Like I just think, again, that's amazing. That's a that's a man with perspective, and you hear Tom's story, which I we've been trying to get Tom on the show. Mm-hmm. I think Tom's testimony would be awesome. Tom, let's do it. So Creighton, what are you thankful for? Yeah, so I was thinking, and I'm, I don't know if I would call it the grace of God or just God's ability to let me fail up. Like when I look back at like the last few years, I feel like I haven't done a whole lot of things all that correct, but I'm in a better place now than I was last year. And I was in a better place last year than I was before that. Um, I like the idea of grace failing upwards. Yeah. That's that's how it feels. Like things get better for me, generally speaking every year. And sometimes I don't feel that way. I'm sometimes have depressive episodes and I need to remember that because I am, I am doing very well and I really don't have any, uh, right to be doing as well as I am. So I'm very thankful for God's providence and grace and 
ability to allow me to fail upwards. I like that. That's great. Spice Daddy, yeah. what, what do you got? Well, I think I'm supposed to ask a question tonight. So if you don't mind, let's go to Isaac first, and then I'll tie in my thankfulness to the question. Oh, oh, a little tease. Ooh. I like it. Well, Creighton, I don't think any of us deserve to be doing as well mm. as we are. Um, Amen. You know? Yeah. There's Spice Daddy's like, speak for yourself. <laughs> I do deserve it. I deserve everything. <laughs> Give me another tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, I'm thankful for a lot of things. Like, like Creighton said, I, I definitely don't deserve to be in the position that I am. And I'm thankful that I have a very good wife. She is incredibly intelligent and wise and way cooler than you. Yeah, I'm just trying to score points here, <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's if that's if she watches. My my yeah, wife doesn't. Probably so. not. No, but yeah. no, it's okay. Yeah, I gave up on that a long time ago. <laughs> Please watch. Um <laughs> but uh no, a lot of the uh decisions I was against, you know. Um Initially, actually moving down here to commerce, I was 100% against. I loved the job that I had. I was working at Duke Energy, and I'd found my niche in the cybersecurity field, and I didn't want to move. I didn't want to buy a house. I didn't want to live in commerce. Um, <laughs> definitely still don't want to live in Still commerce. don't want to live in <laughs> commerce, right. Um, a lot of drugs there. This episode brought to you by Commerce Georgia. <laughs> yeah, a beautiful Commerce place McDonald's, actually. Um, <laughs> but... We ended up going there. I ended up taking a new job as part of moving down here. It's a remote job, and that's been just such a huge blessing. Um, and they've, you know, it's it's just been a good job. They've treated me really well, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful, um, you know, that, that we have a roof over our head and that yeah. we have good food. I'm thankful that, you know, I'm thankful for my cooking skills. You know what mm. I mean? No, no. <laughs> No joke, the man makes delicious chocolate. Oh, that reminds me, I had chocolate to bring here. No! You make chocolate? Oh, I do. Creighton, Creighton, I'm not, I don't have a sweet tooth, you know that? Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. I didn't know you made chocolate. I do make chocolate. It's I really like good. chocolate. Well, here's the story. Alexis really likes chocolate, and but good chocolate. No, no uh, refined sugars or anything like that. So she used to buy this chocolate called human chocolate, and it's literally $5 a bar, like a Hershey's size bar. For five dollars, that's really expensive chocolate. And so I'm, my bank account doesn't really appreciate that. That's not the way it works. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I said I'm going to try and make chocolate. She's and she's basically like, "Good luck." And I said, "Thank you." Such belief, right? Support. She didn't believe in me at all, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> turns out I didn't need it. Um, <laughs> the first batch I made was really bad, but I ate it anyway. I'm kind of like. A dog, you know, <laughs> it's like if somebody leaves something on the floor, I'm not going to question what it is. I'm going to eat it. Mm. Um, McRib, you're you're a man ready for the McRib. I am agreed. Man, you probably I'm are a man worthy of this flannel. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, but as time went on, you know, I just started adding, and, you know, and perfecting it, and now it's like, I mean, it's just, it's so good. It's delicious. The only thing it's sweetened with is honey. There's no sugar in it. Uh, oh, I would love to try this. It's very, very good. I was, I'll bring it next week for sure. Absolutely. I'd, yeah, if, yeah, but I'll, I'll definitely bring it. All next right, week. kick it into Spice Daddy. What, what do you got there? Well, first off, uh, with this whole chocolate thing, uh, some of my favorite chocolate because I'm not, I'm not a big sweets guy myself, but there's this chocolate. You out are of, Spice Daddy. I am. So, yeah. I, I love, 
I love savory, spicy things. Uh, but chocolate-wise, I there's this one chocolate in this world that I just absolutely love, and I'm addicted to it. It's out of Israel, and it's got Pop Rocks in it. So if you've ever thought about doing Pop Rocks in chocolate, that Pop Rocks? Pop Rocks in the chocolate. In the chocolate? Yes. Only the Jews would come up with that. Oh, man, it's they're amazing. Genius. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, were you a Nerds Blizzard guy? No. Oh, see, I like. No. I like Nerds Blizzard because it had that sour. I'm more of like an Oreo. Oh, so you you, yeah. you would go with the sweets? Yeah. Well, sometimes like I I don't like sweets all the time, but uh, if I like it, I like it. Okay, let's see how you pivot this to whatever topic that you. Okay, so, uh, Speaking of pop Thanksgiving, rocks. <laughs> yeah, Pop Rocks here from Spice. So Dad. being thankful, I guess, needs to be prefaced by like. I'm not very good at life, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but like, I just hey, your mom's watching, right? right now. I know. I'm not. I'm not really good at life. Everything I do tends to like not work out. But I've had a lot of experiences, and I'm I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for my family for being there when I when I those failures do come. Amen. And, and I'm I'm thankful that that God's there to, like you were saying, like it's just like it's always something worse. <laughs> yeah, and and what what I view as failure is maybe God moving me in certain directions. So it, it's been especially the past few years when you know when I'm I moved five thousand miles back to the right back to home with with on a moment's notice basically, uh, and and just having my family being able to take me back in, whereas a lot of people didn't have that option. You know, just getting coming back to the states and not being able to like hug your parents because you know COVID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like I literally arrived in the airport and my mom dropped off a car and I I drove five hours to to a house to quarantine for three three weeks. Uh, luckily, it was near my grandparents' house, so my grandma took good care of me. <laughs> right. Uh, she just kind of left food that out of the the front door, knocked on the door, and like. So that, that, that's been very thankful for you know, yeah. my family, especially. Um, but uh, talking about uh, pivoting to the question. Uh, Before you do that, do we have anything else online, Creighton? Not yet. Okay, go for it. Uh, pivoting to the question, uh, thankful for, you know, Jesus, I guess. And, and what's really brought that about is I was – I was house sitting for a friend and I was sitting there. I was kind of bored trying to figure out what to watch. And a few weeks ago we had a suggestion where we were talking, we were doing our uh, post rapture episode. Uh, a, uh, one of our viewers, uh, Karen suggested that uh, a, a documentary uh, is called before the wrath. Uh, and another Karen, my mother, uh, also watched it and suggested it. So I, I you know, I kind of live by the rule of two Karens. If two Karens tell you to do something or two women of the same name tell you to do something, it's probably a good idea to do it. So it's like, it's like the Shekinah glory from heaven. You just, right, you can't right. Uh, you gotta and, listen. Right. And, and so like I, I watched this documentary, highly recommend it. Um, uh, Gabriel or the two Karen model. Right. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if like I've said it a few times and, and uh, it's kind of a, I was an archeologist at one point. No and, way. And, Were you really? Yeah. One and you my, traveled a lot, it, right? It was one of my failures, 
But uh, so I, it, I it was to, an expensive it, failure. It was an expensive failure. But, you know, I went to school with, in Israel. So, I, you know, I'm very familiar with a lot of the Jewish customs and things like that. And 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 we're very familiar with the and I'm very familiar with culture. And so when I when I study cultures, I, I kind of get a little bit from everything. I'm able to study it. And, you know, a lot of Christianity has culture around it. And there's some certain things that we're commanded to do. And you read the Bible and you don't really understand it. And unless you, you know somewhat of the Jewish culture and, and stuff like that. Uh, and this documentary goes into that. And, and I really enjoyed watching it because I had some mind-blowing uh, portions of it because I always thought of the Jewish culture as a whole. And that's just not the case when, when we're reading through the Bible because there's certain things like, uh, and the one thing I'd like to talk about today is, is and it's something I'm really thankful for, especially now, is communion. Why do we take communion? Why is it important? Uh, you know, the Catholics believe that uh, the, the wine and the bread literally become the, the body and blood of Transubstantiation. Christ. Transubstantiation. You know, right. or, or, you know, the, you know, a lot of Protestants, we just take it and it says in remembrance of Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. Why does he say that? And, and I, I never really, yeah, I'm remembering Jesus, but how does me eating juice and bread uh, going to make me remember what Jesus did on the cross? And, and watching this documentary really brought me to a point where I'm just like, oh, that's what, because I you know, always, I always went into it thinking of Jewish culture as a whole instead of a microculture of a certain section of Jews. And I just want before I just blurt out an answer of what uh, this documentary said and what little uh, research I've done since then. I just kind of want to get your take on why why is it important and what what are we remembering? What is it? What does it do? So. Uh, that's a great question. Just the the idea of 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 communion. You know, Jesus. I guess from a very broad standpoint, it's important because it's like one of the very few things that Jesus actually commanded us to do. You know, Jesus didn't didn't command much. Um, in fact, you, you could. You know, he said, "Love your neighbors yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind." Uh, he got re- in regards to, like the practical practicums you know practicalities is uh you know take care of widows and orphans jesus was pretty clear about that you know that was a command i don't have a lot of commands but take care of widows and orphans you know jesus was pretty serious about that um and then it was like when you gather do this in remembrance of me like that that's you know that is also um this interesting command like jesus emphasizes this why Right, right. No, yeah. no. So I, I'm just addressing like the, the broader the broader right. idea is that this is important um, primarily because Jesus, like of the few things Jesus actually commanded his followers to do, this is one of them. Jesus didn't even command baptism, um, but he commanded communion. Um, so like you said, like if, if it's such a big deal that Jesus commanded it, you have to consider the why. And, and, and you can even simply, like sympathetically understand why the Catholics take uh, their approach to communion is, you know, I I think it's theologically incorrect, but the one thing I wouldn't accuse it is, is lacking reverence Mm. um, or importance. Like there is, 
um, there is an importance that's placed within Catholicism uh, to the rite of communion. Um, that communion is um, is something that that you are obligated to do. Um, it is something that you have to do. It's something that the Christian must do. Um, every service, um, not only is communion involved in the Mass, um, but there is a, a, a an elevation uh, to the procedure itself to the point that, um, A, they'll, they'll be very clear, uh, if you're not a Christian, you can't partake, um, but then you're not allowed to touch the elements. You know, this is something that has to be administered. And, and that's the, the basis of that is the, the transubstantiation. Jesus said, this is my body. This is my, my blood. And they believe, the Catholics believe, that there's a, a, um, a supernatural thing that occurs in the actual administration of communion where you are literally partaking of the body of Christ and you are literally drinking his blood, and they believe that those two things are important for the remissions of sin. So that if you don't do it, this is why, like even even like your last rites, they they try to administer communion at the end of one's life. Like there's again, there's a heightened sense of respect, importance, significance. Um, I'll never forget. Um, I, I, again, I don't have a lot of um, connections to Catholicism per se. Um, my grandfather on my mom's side was a Catholic, um, but th- that was never brought into into the family culture. He always went to Mass, but we never accompanied. We never went. It was the thing that he did. Um, I went to a funeral um, a couple years back. A good friend of ours, Chaz, his father passed away, and he was Catholic. And so they had the funeral at, um, <clears throat> at a local... Uh, what do they call it? A cathedral or a Catholic parish? Parish, whatever it is, the Catholic Church. Um, and so it was. And it was all Catholic. It was done. I think part of it was even done in, in Latin. Um, but but at the end of the service, it was they they administered communion, and they made it clear that if you were not Catholic, um, that you were not allowed to partake. Um, it wasn't just that you weren't a Christian. They refused to administer it to a Protestant. Um, but then they were like, if you if you are not Catholic, if you're Protestant or you're an unbeliever, <clears throat> when you come forward, if you want, you do this, and then the priest will just pronounce a, ble- a blessing. Weird. It was a weird thing. I never, never encountered that, and I stayed put. I was like, I'm not participating in that at all. Yeah. <clears throat> but again... I'll give the Catholics credit. Jesus makes this commandment, and they and they take it very seriously. Now, I think the theology is skewed. I think Protestants, by and large, skew it to the other extreme of the pendulum, where it's purely a symbolic remembrance type thing, where we're just remembering something, you know, that is symbolic, that is just purely symbolic, and um, that it's, it it's cheap. You're right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's just a con- it's an intellectual exercise, mm-hmm. and yet and yet I think I think that that's also an inappropriate interpretation of, of the theology and the scripture. I think that's an inappropriate interpretation of what Jesus was instructing and why it was important, um, because Jesus was was taking two elements, and he was taking not just random elements. And I think that's that's an important step here to the larger discussion. He's taking. <clears throat> two very particular components of the Jewish Seder. 
So he's gathered into the upper room. <clears throat> they are going through this meal and there's a very particular order to the meal. You know, in fact, there were, I believe four, maybe five cups. I think it was five cups <clears throat> that at various points would get passed around and each cup symbolized something different. Um, when Jesus gets to um, the breaking of the bread, he didn't break the bread. Um, earlier in the Seder, <coughs> you would have three pieces of matzah unleavened bread brought out. The centerpiece would be removed. That piece, known as the afakoman, would get broken by the host of the house. It would be placed into a, a cloth, and it would be hidden away for later in the meal. And then the other two pieces would be would be used. Now, Jewish culture, that symbolized Isaac. But when Jesus gets to a certain point in the meal, the afakoman comes in, which represents not just Isaac, although Isaac can be a foreshadowing, but the second member of the Godhead. The, the one that's broke. Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Uh, he's using the afakoman, a very specific place within the larger uh, Seder ceremony. And um, and he's taking something that had been accepted, tradition for 2,000 years, and he's completely reinterpreting it, which is a revolutionary idea. But he's saying, this is this doesn't represent Isaac. This represents my body, which is broken for you. Take, eat. And then they would pass it around, they'd take, eat. And then, and then he took the cup, so it's the next cup in the Seder, which is the cup of redemption, uh, which is why it's significant. It's like, it is through the broken body of Jesus that now we partake of the cup of redemption. And so there was there was symbolism to it, but it's not just symbolic. Um, there is there, there there's a significance to the fact that A, you eat something and you do it communally. And and that again, you start talking about culture, understanding the culture of things. Those two things are are important for an, an accurate understanding of really what's taking place. Because eating was a sacred exercise in, in Eastern culture, still is today. Right, and I, and like I'm very like I'm very familiar with that. I, I've done Passover seder's for for years, even before I, I went to school in Israel. And what this documentary uh, and I never thought about it. Spoiler Where, alert! Spoiler alert! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where was Jesus from? Oh, he's from Nazareth. Nazareth, which is a region in Galilee. Galilee. So he's a Galilean. Yeah. And the Galileans had a very, it was unique to all the Middle East and the way they, they handled a lot of stuff. And, and I but never thought. Largely of, it was a diverse area. It was right. half Jew, half Gentile. But like not just that, but in in, in the ways they did other stuff. And, and yes, I, I it, it definitely has. It was definitely a, like a satyr that he was working with, but certain elements of it and, and this uh, documentary goes into it because uh, Jesus uses di different phrases and 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 sim symbols from from uh, uh, basically a marriage proposal in in the words he says and <coughs> and and it just it, it was mind blowing because. Yeah, I, I understood the Seder. I understood why he said, he's like, remember me, remember this. But I'm like, what what is drinking wine and, and doing bread? Like, it, am I supposed to remember the the, the, the Passover Seder and, and say what you say every every uh, Passover Seder, you know, 
Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. Did you just speak in tongues? Uh, Was that tongues? Uh, was, <laughs> did that just happen here? It was very it was, fast, but it, it did was basically happen. Did, do we have an interpretation? <laughs> Blessed are you, our Lord, our God. King interpretation. Of uni- king of the universe. Uh and, and I forgot that something with the the wine and the and the and the fruit of the 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 wheat, basically the bread yeah. and the wine, and and that makes sense to me from a Jewish standpoint. But the Galileans took it even further, and and that's what was mind blowing with me is is because a lot of the things he was speaking to, he was speaking to his to his disciples who were who, also Galileans. Who were also Galilean, and yeah. so when I look at this as 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 a Gentile from modern day America. Yeah, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna overlook some of this really simple stuff, and I'm just like, oh, that's cool. This is what the Jews do. But it went even further when you when you start looking at how the Galileans went with their marriage proposals and and the way they handled their weddings and stuff. And and so what was mind blowing? It, it goes into the whole thing with the the rapture and 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 You're right and stuff like that. But with communion, that's what really blew my mind is when when a Galilean man. They would write up a contract with somebody who's probably prearranged, and it goes back into Christmas now too, because you know Joseph and Mary. Were, yeah, yeah, there was so a, they, con- a betrothal were, contract. So my guess is that it could have been Galilean, uh, even though Joseph's family is from Bethlehem. Uh, but I, it, you know, they they lived in the Galilee, so it's possible they could have gone through this. But they would write up a marriage contract. They would meet at the the city gates where all business was done with the, you know the elders and people around. Uh, but what's really interesting is uh, basically the engagement of this is the man would pour a glass of wine to and give it to the woman. And at that moment in time, she could either give it back or drink of it. And then there would be a feast that, you know, during the wedding yeah. and stuff like that. And so when, so the symbolic, symbolic aspects of, aspect yeah, yeah. of it, of it, the wedding it, itself. Yeah. And, and then, when they when they went through that i'm like oh like i always knew the year long year right, long yeah, engagement yeah. the the feast at the end of it the the how they would come you know get the he would come get the bride and stuff like that but the aspect of that thing jesus wasn't just saying you know this is my body you know remember me it's like what what am i remembering that you died on the cross that's not really something i yeah, I want to remember it's a that. Betro- it's a betrothal. It's a betrothal. It's a betrothal. And, and yeah. so that that was mind blowing to me. So like, when you drink, do communion, it's it's a remembrance of Jesus' engagement to you, and at some point he's going to come back and get his bride. So it's I think promises that, you've made to each other. Yeah, I think right. that's that's a fascinating thing. Um, that that, and again, let me let me get to that. In a, in a moment, but let me finish the first thought because then I then I can get to that. Right. So the first thought is like, and again, this is where I think you know we, we look at communion um, from the two pendulums. Catholics uh, distort it, overplay it, over signify it, uh, but then Protestants um, go to another extreme where this is just a symbolic thing. It's just an exercise. It's just about remembering. Um, and, and I think that that's, I do think that there is something, uh, spiritual, um, and, and I don't want to use the word mystical and in, in like a Harry Potter sense, but, um, that there is something, um, magical, I guess about communion 
again, because the Eastern mind, and this ties in with the, the betrothal thing, because you got to understand when you were betrothed, um, you were, you were legally bound. You were one. Now you had not consummated the marriage to becoming one flesh, but there was, there was, you were like the only thing that could separate betrothal was divorce. You were already one in a very legal sense. And again, you're, you're saying that, that within the Galilean wedding, that there were elements of the bread and the wine included in that ceremony <clears throat> that fits because, because again, so the question would be, well, then why were bread and wine included in the ceremony? Especially at that point, that juncture, <clears throat> the betrothal phase and not the consummation phase. And it was because, um, again, within the Eastern mind of, of eating, you didn't just eat with anyone. You only ate with someone that you were willing to be one with. Yeah, you didn't have your own cup that you went to go do the refill with. It was you drink out of the same cup. It was, and, and that's why, like in Eastern culture, you don't just break bread with anyone. You only break bread. You only share a meal because, again, within Eastern culture, you know you didn't have individual plates. You know, it was typically bowls of communal stuff that you're all you're all eating out of the same bowl. You're all you're all partaking out of the same cup. And the idea from the Eastern mind is that the substance of this is going in and becoming me, and that same substance going in and becoming you, meaning because we're both partaking of the same substance, we're becoming one. Which is why you Jews didn't eat within Gentiles. It's why there was all kinds of stipulations. It was like why, why, why even within like the dietary guidelines of the old uh, Old Testament, food got determined to be clean and unclean. Like there were things that you could and couldn't eat because it all tied into this uh, this, this spirituality connected with food, this oneness coming to the table together and eating. Jesus is at a table, and he's saying, "This is my body. This is my blood. Eat." Eat it, consume it. May it become part of you. And, and, and that's where like there is a spiritual component to not just remembering what Jesus did in the past, but interacting with him in the present. We call it communion, communal. It's communing with Jesus. It's spending time with him. That there is something, there is a spiritual component. Is it the literal bread and, and is it the little body and blood of Jesus? No. Is it symbolic of that? Sure. Is there something about it? Be, like I eat it. Like it's the thing that I've always had a problem with, like grape, uh, you know, grape juice being used for the cup for the wine, because that wasn't what was used. It was wine. Um, you know, Welch was a Scottish preacher that was an abolitionist and invented grape juice specifically to get rid of alcohol and communion. That's literally why we have grape juice. Um, up until mid 1800s, it had always been wine. Why? Because um, when you eat of the bread, it's the matzah. It's it's unleavened. It's it's sinless, um, and it gets stuck in your teeth. It doesn't taste great. It's it's um, it's not a very flavorful bread. Why? Well, because this is not a very pleasant experience. This is the body of Jesus broken, which is why the matzah has the stripes and it's perforated, like it symbolically. But you you eat of it and it's not flavorful. And then you follow it up with the with the cup with wine, and you only have wine through death, through decay. And wine is sweet, but there's a bitterness to it. Like like there was there was 
a reason that Jesus said, eat this, drink this, because there was something about the experience of it that we were to connect with on, on not just the physical plane, but somewhere deeper. You know, like there's a spiritual thing to eating a good meal. Like there is. Like you eat a really good meal and it's like, man, that was that was satisfying. Like we'll use spiritual terminologies. Um, you know, you have a good glass of wine. You like the, the you, like you feel joyous. You know, the joy of the Lord. Like there's all these these interesting components. There's these flavors. There's an experience, and so we do this to remember Jesus. But then we also, when you gather, do it in remembrance of I me. I thought for sure you're gonna work in a McRib reference. The, a McRib reference. Well, I, I was being more serious than that. <laughs> The, the rib from Adam, mm. you know, anyway, the, uh, but, but again, there's a, there's a, a spiritual component and then it's communal. It's something that we're doing together. And what are we symbolically saying? Like, Hey, um, I'm partaking, this is becoming part of me, but it's also becoming part of you. And we're becoming one. We're one with Jesus, but we're one together, which is why Jesus wants us to do this when we get together, not just so we connect with him, but there is a connection through him that we have with others and it does. I can see how, again, without doing any research on the, the ancient, you know, <clears throat> the particular practices in Galilee. Um, but, you know, you go to Jesus's first miracle was was at a wedding in Cana, which is in Galilee, and it was turning water into, into good wine. Well, I think one of the good indicators, one of the indicators of, of it being, he, him basically referencing Galilean wedding practices or engagement practices. And when he says, you know, uh, I will not eat of this bread or drink of this wine again until we feast in heaven, essentially. Right. Again. Well, and that's the and, next cup. Right. That's why the next cup and, becomes right. important. And let, so let me throw a wrinkle into the whole thing though. Cause this is a great conversation. I, I might just blow everything we talked out, talked about out of the water, um, and discredit it with this. So Jessica's wanted me to do uh, a Passover Seder, you know, um, to do. My dad does one every year at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain where he puts on a robe and does the whole Seder meal. And and you can read through, you know, um, all the symbolism of the various elements and how it all ties together, how it all points to Jesus. This is great. It's all wonderful. Uh, My biggest problem with it is none of it's biblical (laughs) at all. Like the only two elements of the traditional Seder that that we find mandated in the scripture, only two of them, the lamb, Passover, they had the lamb. So they ate lamb. I say three. There was unleavened bread. And we do know there was the bitter herb. Like those are the only three elements that we know for sure were part of the Seder. What we see as the traditional Seder do you know when that came to be? Probably Babylonian exile. Babylonian exile. Which is why at the time of Christ, those practices were in place that, that still continue today. Like you can do a, a, a traditional Seder, and that would be very similar to what Jesus would have done in the upper room with the disciples. That's true. That's how we get the connections to the Afikom and the various cups. That all gets established, though, during Babylonian exile. It's never mandated, and, and all of the all of the the, uh, the particulars laid out about what you're to do on the Feast of Passover, none of this is included. Uh, none of it's biblical. None of it's actually mandated. This is all rabbinically developed. 
during Babylonian exile uh, to help Jews detached from their homeland still celebrate the Passover, whereas they could actually make a sacrifice for the Day of Atonement that Passover required. So here's the question. When Jesus talks about the bread and the cup, is he making a reference to the Seder? Obviously, there, there's a component to that, sure. Could that have some connection to the particulars of Galilean weddings? Maybe. But where's the, where's the first mention? I'm a big proponent of the law of first mention, which is just a general rule in studying scripture. And that is where you find something first introduced, how it's introduced, the context by which it's introduced, set a pretty solid trajectory on how that thing should be interpreted moving forward. Easy example. Seven, the number seven. We know that it means completion. Well, how do we know it means completion? Well, the law first mentioned is that there were God worked for six days, and then on the seventh he rested, that completed the week. God established the basic idea of a week being seven days. Six days of work with the seventh Sabbath, and then it starts again the eighth day being renewal. So the, the law of first mention, whereas like we see all throughout the rest of Scripture, seven being connected to the idea of completion, seven letters to the church in Revelation, Jesus addressing the whole church, seven kingdom parables, Jesus addressing the whole kingdom, completion. We find that number seven carried forth in that idea from a first mention. Same thing when it comes to sin, same thing when it comes to marriage, same thing when it comes to the priesthood. Across the board, Sabbath. The law had a lot to say about the Sabbath. But the law of first mention, to to set the trajectory of how we're supposed to view that, gets established in Genesis, again, back in the garden. Which is why when Jesus talks about the Sabbath, he goes back to Genesis. He talks about marriage, he goes back to Genesis. He talks about gender, he goes back to Genesis. He skips the law entirely, right? You know, they, they bring up an issue about divorce, and this, this is what Moses said. And Jesus is like, well, God said, let one man and one... Like, he goes back to gen- the law of first mention. So, we're talking about communion. A lot of great thoughts, a lot, of, a lot of cool ideas. I bring this up. Law of first mention. Where's the first mention of communion in Scripture? Do you know? Genesis. It is in Genesis. Nailed observant. It. Observant. The book of beginnings. But where is where's the first communion? Probably Abraham when he's... Abraham and what? In the, the visitor that he had. The... Not the visitor. It's not the visitor. Creighton, do you know? Would it be with the... the is it Melchizedek? King, King, it's Melchizedek. So, I believe... It's always it, Melchizedek. So, in Genesis. So, Lot, there's the, the five kingdoms of the north. They come down, they conquer the five kingdoms of the south. Lot gets caught up in it. Abraham's like, well, now I got to go do something because my nephew just been captured. He goes up. There's a route. He has all this spoil from the war. It's also where we get tithing. He comes back down and he gets met by this mysterious man, the king of Salem, which is an early reference to Jerusalem, peace. He's the king of peace. His name is Melchizedek. And he comes out and he greets Abraham. And Abraham's the greatest dude ever. The father of the faith. And Abraham bows down and gives a tenth of the spoil to Melchizedek. Which, which is an indication that Abraham honored Melchizedek as being greater than himself. And again, it's such a mysterious passage. 
But what does Melchizedek come out and greet Abraham with? Bread and wine. Comes out with communion elements to greet Abraham, the father of our faith. And then, like, we have a reference of Melchizedek in the Psalms where we're told he's he has no beginning and he has no end. He's a, the king everlasting, which is weird. He has no genealogy. And then you're like, still don't know who this Melchizedek guy is until you get to Hebrews. And we find out that Jesus is our great high priest. Why? Because he can't be from the lineage of Aaron because he's not, he's not a Levite. Jesus was king because he came from the tribe of Judah. Paul, the author of Hebrews, says, well, it's because the true precedent, the first mention of the priesthood is Melchizedek, the great high priest. First mention is Melchizedek being a priest of God. Jesus is, and we're told in Hebrews, is of the order of Melchizedek. Then you're like, well, who the heck is this Melchizedek? This high priest, well, he's Jesus. Like, who comes out and greets Abraham? I believe it's a Christophany. I believe it's a, it's a pre-incarnate, pre-incarnate presentation of Jesus, that Jesus is the one that comes out and greets Abraham, and Abraham recognizes it because he's already had some experiences with Jesus up until this point. But then what does Jesus come out with? Like the symbols of the kingdom, bread and wine, which then isn't an accident that Jesus calls himself the bread of life. He refers to himself as bread and his first miracle is turning water into wine. Like, again, you go through all the symbolism and it's just, again, these two elements, it's about Jesus and it's communing with Jesus. And you go back to just... Melchizedek, even. <clears throat> Going back to the, the the marriage thing. Do you know where uh, the marriage contract, you know, there was a contract that God, the groom, had with Israel, the bride? Do you know where that contract is? It's in it's, scripture. Yeah, it's where they, he divided the... He divided the the sacrifice in two, and God walked between. That it. was that was early. That was that was before Israel existed. That was the Abrahamic covenant. The, I guess the when God gave the commandments to Moses, then yeah, it has to be at Sinai. Sinai. Yeah. So think about it. What is the Book of Exodus about? It's a it's a marriage. Mm. It's God. God calls out a bride from the world and in Egypt is always a symbol of the world he calls out a bride from the world and he's going to he's going to make that bride his wife like there's there is a covenant that's being made which is why at Sinai all of the language it's all marriage language and then the idea of them being led through the wilderness God covered them which is why in a, in a Hebrew wedding when they're finally making the final commitments, there is there is a Shekinah. There is a covering of the two people um, that symbolizes the covering of God. It's the oh, same that's word. Cute. It's the same word that you get where where the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Mm-hmm. It's the same concept, and that that plays itself out. But keep in mind, okay, um, that 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 Sinai, the Ten Commandments, is the marriage contract, right? what would you expect the marriage contract to begin with? Like what's the most basic? Don't Love cheat. Me. Don't cheat on me. Right. Right. And that's, a, that's like the first basis. So I am the Lord, your God brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage. You shall have no gods before me. 
You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything. And he goes on. You shall not take... Uh, well, So those are the first two. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. I am the Lord your God, a jealous God. Third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You go down, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving. What's, what's fascinating, what makes the first two commandments so different from the, the, the remaining commandments? They were about God. Okay. They're about God. And you would expect them, um, you would expect that in a marriage. Um, don't cheat on me. <laughs> but again, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself to carve image. I, the Lord, your God am a jealous God. How would you relate that to a marriage? Um, both easy. Don't cheat. Don't look at porn. Well, don't, don't, don't cheat. And, and, and I want to be your center. Like our, our marriage is, is us being together, us being in the center. It's different. From the porn aspect, though, because I'm, I'm not endorsing yeah, porn. I'm not, what I'm saying Yeah, the is, porn thing, I don't know. What else is a graven you, image? Well, if you were, were, people try to symbolize God itself, porn is some yeah, other. Yeah, I, I, you're convoluting the topic bringing porn in. We don't have time for that. It's a whole other conversation. Okay. Not a graven image, per se, in the context of what a graven image is. Okay. Graven image is a replacement. It, it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a physical item that you worship for God. Like I the, absolutely stand by my point, but I agree that we don't have time for it. Let's that's move fine. On. But, but the, here's the point I'm bringing up, which is interesting. Did you want to finish your thought? You had a thought. Well, I mean, I was, I, the only reason why I disagree with you is because when you're talking about porn and you're married, it's another woman. It's, or whatever. It's not when, when you're talking about symbols, of, it's symbols of God. So the only thing that you could liken it, not porn, but pictures of your own wife. That would be more symbolic of, I think, the... Yeah, and I, and I would agree with that. And we can get into the woods the, the in a convoluted... I think that's an interesting conversation that we should have. I think that's that's interesting. Because um, I agree. I, I think porn's different. Porn's not an, an accurate representation because it's a totally different woman. Mm. I, agree, I agree with you guys are saying. I stand on my point. I think we should have this conversation... Another day. Let's totally. move on because we're going to get lost in it. Totally. So here's, but here's, yeah, but, later. <laughs> yeah. but this is what's interesting. First two commandments are God speaking. Mm -hmm. You shall have no other God before me. I'm the Lord, your God, a jealous God, no, no graven image. And then you get to the third one. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain everything else first two is god speaking personally personal pronouns me the third commandment onward the lord your god it's moses speaking it's moses talking why why the change i i heard a, i heard a bible study that speculated that the reason for that is that your god the husband and you're like, don't cheat on me, you know? And then God starts crying because what does he know is going to happen? 
all of the cheating. He can't get beyond the first two because he knows he knows what they're going to do. And and it's like it's like Moses has to jump in after the second commandment and say, "I'll take it from here, God." Like God gets the first two out, and because he knows those are the two, that, they're going to break the first two, the most important ones of a marriage. They're going to run all over it. And it's as though God's choked up that Moses has to jump in because the whole, the whole tenses change for the rest of the commandments. Because at that point, God's like, you're going to ruin the first two, like all the other ones within the context of a marriage. You can understand, you can understand that. Um, cool topic. I, I enjoyed that. That, that was, hmm. you know, I just, I, you know, I saw that, uh, cause as an archaeologist, former Wait, were you an archaeologist? <laughs> Basically, Did you I'm spend get- some time in Israel? What I'm getting at is I used <laughs> to study cultures. And as a as a believer, I, I was fam- I'm familiar with the Jewish culture, the Jewish traditions and stuff like that. But I never took it any further than that to go down to the Galilean stuff. I think that helped me understand because when Jesus that was is talking, interesting. Yes, when Jesus was talking. He was talking to other Galileans yeah. who would, because they asked him, "What would the end of the time? What, what's the end of the world going to be like? You know, what what what's you coming back going to be like?" You're and so at it. he was answering, <laughs> right? But but he was answering them with symbolic things that they would automatically sure. understand, where I didn't. Yeah, for and sure. So things like the communion and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, every time I eat crackers and juice, you know, I, it was like, yeah, I remember Jesus died. I remember he shed his blood. That's simple stuff, but it, it like you said, it kind of had no reverence to it. But it, if I understand it as part of the contract of me accepting that, you know, remembering that that proposal. And that there's an anticipation to the experience. Right. And then like I'm anticipating something. Right. And when he says, I'm not going to drink of this again until basically the marriage feast of the right. lamb, like you're talking about, which is going to be awesome. And, you know, when you're eating McRibs. <laughs> when you're eating things. McRibs in heaven. That, you know, when I think of that, I, th- I think of uh, the movie Hook where he kind of starts imagining the big feast. You know all the all the things you can imagine. Maybe the McRib. Oh, McRib will be, will be there. Hook. I misunderstood what you're saying. Hook, like Robin yeah, Williams. Yeah. You Use know, the your scene. imagination, Peter. Right. Yes. All right. And, and so, but like that was a terrible Robin Williams impersonation. It wasn't Robin Williams. That was one of the Lost Boys. Are you right. crazy? Oh. But, but anyway, so like for for me to go further than just the overall yeah. Jewish culture down to the Galilean stuff, it it now makes sense. You know when I when I have communion, when I take that, it's not just, yeah, I remember Jesus dying, but it's like Jesus is up there in heaven waiting for the father to say, go. So he's not just sitting there going, building me a big house. Like, you know, <laughs> big, big house with lots and lots of room. It's, it's not just that, but he's sitting Don't there. Don't kill my dreams, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I want that, but it's like, He's sitting, I can play football. <clears throat> right. He's sitting there waiting. He's like chomping at the bit. He has an anticipation. Right. The same he has way an antipa- anticipation to come get us. Yes. And to bring us there for the feast to bring us back to his father's house with big, big rooms where we can play football. So mm. the let me let me close with just one one little bit um, of, of a warning because I'm, I'm 100% with you. And I think um, I think any time that we can try to place... Um, scripture within its context, 
especially scripture that, that is driven on imagery, um, which again, communion is, is one of those places. Um, I would also like, you know, point to the entire book of revelation where, it, you know, all like, it's not hard to understand if you place all of the imagery into their first mentions within scripture. Like this is, there's nothing new in the book of revelation. It's just the, 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 the ultimate fruition conclusions of everything else uh, that has been laid out in scripture. That's why it's the last book. Uh, I don't, advise you start there. You should start at the beginning and then get to it at the end. You'll understand it better. I do think, and, and again, this is just a little warning or caveat. Uh, there are, there are, um, uh, uh, teachers within Christianity, um, that take, um, Jewish symbolism too far, um, where everything within scripture, we, we almost distort it to ad nauseum out of its literal, plain meaning by trying to tether it back into all types of, you know, Jewish imagery, allegory, et cetera. Um, you can, you can run into those people that do that a lot, especially like with the feasts. So all kinds of stuff. And, um, and a lot of times they end up doing that, not even using scripture, but they're using extra biblical rabbinic teachings, the Mishnah, things of that nature, um, apocryphal writings, um, to try to, to add a depth or context to things that just are simple. Um, you know, the plain meaning makes plain sense. Anything else is nonsense. Um, you know, Jesus did, um, you know, this is inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So the thing that makes the Bible beautiful is living and powerful. And, and it's, it's, it's applicable to a first century Jewish culture as it is to our 21st century westernized you know, American culture, like that there is a plain meaning to the truth. So there is an extreme to this that I just want to caution because people can go down a rabbit hole and get into some really weirdo stuff. Um, and, and you've, you've seen it. I know, I know you've, mm-hmm. you've, you've witnessed that as well. So Creighton, anything on the interwebs? Uh, no, pretty quiet night. Had a pretty quiet night. It's uh, hope everyone out there has a great Thanksgiving. It's a good night. I'm excited for some food tomorrow. Absolutely. Isaac, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, always learn a lot. Did not think we would get that deep into the woods on communion, but I'm glad that we did. But we did. We did get. I kind of feel bad about because sometimes I bring a little salt packet because they're a little, little salt. Oh, to the, to the communion. Just a little ketchup. A <laughs> <Something laughs> little bit of mustard. I, I do have a ketchup addiction, okay? I mean, it is. I thought you meant like you brought a grain of salt to Outlaw Radio every time. No, no, no. Yeah. no. Salt bay. No, just to uh, just to you know make the make the the, bread the way a for a little bit better. Yeah, a little bit. But. It's funny. I, I've seen I've seen pastors that try to get all novel, and they're like, you know, we're gonna all tear from the same bread, and they like bring out a thing of pita, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like you're breaking down so many fundamental imageries to this that you know you're saying that Jesus was full of sin <laughs> by using the wrong bread. Like, use the right bread. I've seen people use a baguette before, and I'm there's like, there's a reason so much for leaven. Well, I think I think that was my ultimate, my ultimate thought process was like, as someone who thinks like, cult studying other cultures is a big thing for me, and studying with because you were an archaeologist, right? Right, and, and, and he so, spent and he spent time in Israel. In so Israel, with, within context of that thing, it helps me to understand what's going on better not that yeah I, for sure you know a lot of people we, we would do stuff and i met a lot of people while i was living there that that were kind of like they would take it to the extreme to where like oh because jews are god's chosen people 
I'm a Christian now. I should do everything that the Jews do. I, right. I, I never wanted to be that because, you know, I, I like bacon. I like other stuff that I'm allowed to eat as a Gentile. And, and, and I think as a Christian that I need to be me. I'm, I'm who God made me to be. And, but to understand the, I guess the culture that Jesus was coming from, like being involved in intimately is, is kind of cool for yeah. sure. That, well, I mean, you just brought up, it's kind of hard. It's like, where do you draw the line? Like you're saying, okay, well the bread needs to be sinless, but what about the wine? Yeah. I mean, well, I, like is know. grape juice. Is that, is that, does that break the metaphor? I think it does. That's why we've always had it. You know, and we've both. always made it available. This is why we have outlaw radio to debate stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. So, but again, I think, I think you can take all of that even a little too far. Um, I think there's a spirit behind it that's important. So I, I think the main, the, we answered the main question is like, why is communion important? Because, you know, Jesus, he commanded it. So. He commanded it. You could probably have communion without the bread and the wine because it's probably not about those things. It's about Jesus. Hypothetically. Like a McRib and a Dr. Pepper. Uh, no joke. No <laughs> joke. Do this I, in remembrance of me. I have friends that, that, that were in certain restricted areas and they could not get wine nor crackers, I guess for lack of a better term. So they use like Mountain Dew and Pringles. So that's beautifully neck beard. I love that. Well, I mean, it, it's you, you, <laughs> the whole point is he they, was describing <laughs> people who live with their mom in the basement. <laughs> oh, well, they were was, in an environment. They were in an environment. Let's just say Cheetos. Directly they after were, the release they of were Modern pe- Warfare 3. They were, they were people that were working in restricted nations that couldn't get a mm. hold of certain things. But the, the important Cheetos thing was, and Red Bull. Right. I, I think that's the whole thing. The whole point was in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. Right. So as long as I think it fits that yeah. context. Hey, man, have a great Thanksgiving, brother. All right. Have a good time with your family. I will. Lots and, of food. Uh, yeah. Great there. Wait, no, he won't. No, he won't. I'm going to roll us out. We ready? Yep, I'm good to go. Well, you have been watching the Outlaw Radio Show. We went a little long tonight, but that's all right. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with friends and family. If you are watching, check out the podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, released tomorrow. Maybe Friday. Might be an extra day. Probably Friday. Probably an extra day. Uh, if you're listening to this, hang out with us on a Wednesday night, 8 o'clock, we live stream what you're listening to. All that being said, my name is Zach Adams. Happy Thanksgiving.